I wonder, what does the house of the most famous investor of all time look like? What do you picture it to look like? Surely you'd be able to pick it if you were driving on the street. Though, you wouldn't. Because I've seen it in a documentary about Warren Buffett. And in that documentary, and I'll never forget this, Buffett says, because he lives in this very easygoing, comfortable, cozy-looking house in, uh, where are they from? Omaha, Nebraska, I believe, when all the other big investors are on Wall Street, living it up. And in the documentary, he says, I never saw the value in having more to maintain properties all over the place to pay or, or maintain myself. I didn't see the value in all the glitz and glamour. And Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, his long-term partner, for me are ultimate examples of really the, the place wealth really has and where the real value comes in. And I love that because that's not maybe something people uh, focus on when they think about the most famous investors of all time. But I wonder if they are so good at investors because of a mindset that gets them to see value. And I guess as the masters of spotting value, their judgment has a lot to teach us about where they judge value in their own lives and in material things when they can afford anything. Think about what the masters of spotting value can teach us. Today we're talking about the luxury trap. It's the last piece of a three-part single blog article on the site. We talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the comfort ladder. Now we're talking about the luxury trap. So we talked about how the strategy changes once your comfort and survival needs are met. Once you've got your, you're able to afford financially your minimum viable lifestyle. But after this point, it's not just that returns diminish, it's that we normalize to a high level of comfort. We normalize, we get used to it. Once income ri- once incomes rise rather, lifestyle spending often goes up. Once this spending goes up, this becomes not just the new normal, but the new minimum. All your friends live in the expensive postcodes, send their children to the expensive schools, and hang out at expensive and exclusive clubs. The problem is this is a lot to maintain. When things go wrong, This pressure to keep up with the Joneses drives poor financial decision-making, the sort of pressure which sees desperate households steal money from friends and family just to maintain public image. The luxury trap. I heard my father credit to him explain this once, and I'll be being quite visual with this. Apologies if you're just listening to the audio, but most people start out with low level of income, low level of expenditure. And often over time, if the level of income rises, then they'll start spending more and more, as I said in that blog piece. But then if income ever goes down again, they want to maintain that high expenditure because their whole lifestyle, to be fair to them, has been built around it. Their self-esteem, their friendships, their relationships are all anchored to earning a certain, at a certain level, but more importantly, always more important than the money have a certain status that they're anchored to. But the problem is when you invest 
not your money, but all your self-esteem and self-worth into a public image that belongs not to you. You never own it. You never have control over it. You give the reins over to the public because it's the public image, the status you hold in the eyes of others. Then you're handing over yourself. And that's the luxury trap. These wants that you have no control over become needs. Perceived needs that you still have no control over. People never ask, oh, why do I want to send my children to the expensive school? Or why do I want this car? And they never ask it in deep. There's nothing wrong with good expensive schools. There's nothing wrong with fast cars. But are they a genuine indulgence? Or are they very extrinsically derived? Are they to impress others? Are they so that you can have a certain status in the eyes of yourself or others? Very, very important distinction. What's the reason behind it? And I noticed this because I went to quite a well-to-do school in Sydney. And the culture of private schools is in, in one subset of the community, very, very concerning because I look at how many people, and I never have the balls to say this to their face, and this is not my parents, so credit to them. I can say that very confidently. How many people send their children to a school only because of the status it gives them? How toxic is that? they'll never admit it to themselves because it's very easy to tell the narrative that it's for the child. How many people do that? There's a 2009 film called The Joneses and obviously that name comes from the term keeping up with the Joneses, which is a cliche, which is about that idea of trying to keep up with your neighbours because you haven't identified value from anything you enjoy. You only are able to identify value based on what other people see value in. This is where we start feeding back to the pleasure treadmill. So in this film, actors are hired to play a family. They're, they pretend to be a family. They're good looking. They, they're made to look very wealthy. And they're positioned in a wealthy neighborhood so they can... Uh, what, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Basically create social proof for new products, demonstrate them, get people jealous about them. They're the neighbors. They're the cool ones. They're the hip to do that everyone envies. And they use envy to trigger um, purchasing behavior in their neighbors. Kind of an underrated film. Uh, in the end, spoiler alert, the neighbor who becomes a friend of the main actor uh, com commits suicide because it costs so much for him. He's not doing well financially, but he has the need to obtain all these expenses. He works himself into a huge debt that he can't maintain. The shame and pressure and stress of which causes him to kill himself in the end. And I think that's a very, very powerful and accurate reflection on a lot of our culture. So it's not just that when we continue to chase things that are really just glamorized comforts. Cars get you from A to B. Homes keep you warm and safe. We glamorize them wanting, um, obviously, mansions, and no one ever needs it. It can be fun to have. I have no barrier to having any of those things myself, but they're very low on my priority list. It's not something that's to be shamed. Important disclaimer. But when we normalize them, when they become perceived needs, we're handcuffing 
and handing over our quality of life to those things. It's a pretty poor, poor place to invest it. It's like having children but then trusting someone else to look after them full-time and leaving them completely in their care but without even realising who they are, without doing a background check, without even looking but just blindly handing over control. Uh, so, look, the protection against it, I've said it in so many episodes so far, is the minimum viable lifestyle. Episodes one to three. What's the least your life can be? Because at least then when you have that in mind in a position of clarity, even when you make a big purchase or acquisition of any of these extra bonus items, you don't expect it to provide all your meaning and you don't over-identify over with it. Pretty handy because it makes life a whole lot cheaper. And with all that leftover money and time and effort and energy and with all the refocused attention into where you're going to drive fulfillment, I suspect you're going to do some pretty incredible things that open doors for other people instead of basically fucking around with bullshit. So you can try that idea on for size and let me know how it serves you. Remember, you can set a good example for people with this and open some doors for them too, some th real thinking doors. Because the best way to open a thousand doors for you, of course, is to concentrate on opening doors for others. This has been the With Joe Weeby podcast. You can check out more on the blog, www.withjoeweeby.com. Apart from that, that's enough for today. I'll speak to you tomorrow.